Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode 18, entitled Enter the Hellions, in which I'll be examining issue number 16. If you're wondering who the Hellions are, well, stick around and you'll find out. I will give you a hint. They're a team of teenage mutants, and they hail from Emma Frost's Academy. So yeah, they're going to run into our friends, the New Mutants, and there's going to be a brawl. It should be great fun. So before we continue, we are going to quickly review our creative team. Obviously, Chris Claremont's writing still, Sal Buscema's penciling, uh, Mandrake has a co-inker, and that's Kim Demoller. He uh, worked for DC and Marvel extensively, lots of other uh, comic publishers. He has a Deviant Art page and a Facebook page. Um, Orzachewski's doing lettering, and Ken Fedanovich uh, was doing the colorist. He was the colorist on this book. Um, in, in looking for information about him, he worked pretty extensively for Marvel and many other companies. Uh, he helped organize the Nittany Con and Altoona Con in Pennsylvania. He did coloring for Captain America and Dreadstar. He was a comic book dealer. Uh, unfortunately, he passed in 20, September 2015 at the age of 63 um, from apparently a heart attack uh, so he is no longer no longer with us um, which is a shame uh, we have a new editor on this book joining Jones Luis, uh, Luis Jones and that's Anne Nascenti and Nascenti she's, she's a Marvel uh, writer at the time she put together the long shot miniseries she wrote that and she's a very talented writer, um, has worked on some other X titles and other books in the Marvel, uh, in, in Marvel, um, and she's going to eventually take over editorial duties from Louise Jones, uh, for the X-Men line, and so we're going to see her as a regular in the editorial position, and, uh, if you've ever watched that Chris Claremont documentary on Amazon, she and, um, both, uh, Louis or Louis Simonson, Louis Jones, uh, are interviewed pretty extensively, along with obviously Chris Claremont. It's pretty amazing, and they all three of them seem to have a really good rapport. So, uh, yeah, she's she's a great addition to this book, uh, to the to the creative team, and then obviously Jim Shooter. He is uh, editor in chief at Marvel at this time, and will continue in that role. So that's our creative team, and let's just dive in. So on this very first page, we see it's Splash, and we see our our heroes, the New Mutants, uh, centered in in a spotlight, and they're being uh, approached menacingly, obviously, by Hellfire goons. And there's a projection, probably it's possible it's either like a holographic projection or a, a mental projection um, produced by Emma Frost, probably holographic, of, of Emma, the White Queen, and uh, this very dem- 
defeated, um, bashful Kitty Pride, and Ileana realizes, you know, she's led her teammates to, into a trap. You know, this was all set up. She was supposed to to lead them here, uh, and and she's brought them directly to the white to the white queen. She she's played right into the trap. Now we see something kind of cool here. Uh, uh, we're seeing the new mutants for the first time, not really the first time, but we're starting to see the team, it, this team work as a team and doing so almost instinctively. When we first saw this team, they were needing to be guided, right? If you think back to when they were working with Team America to try to save uh, Danny from the Viper, uh, Charles Xavier was directing traffic in a large degree and coordinating actions between two teams, but he was also in communication with uh, Shane Coy Man at the time, Karma. And here there's no Xavier. There's no one besides the New Mutants. And Amara and, and Sam, without even communicating, Amara knows what to do. And the team begins to function. And Amara blinds. She, she you know, become, transforms into magma, her larva form, uh, living magma form, and just radiates intense light. It blinds the guards. And then she uses her ability to manipulate magma under the Earth's surface and creates an earthquake. And this this shaking, not only does it disorient and cause the guards to flee and panic, it it'll also severs um, their power, severs the power, and everything goes pitch black. The guards are able to uh, kick on the emergency power, but by the time they do this, the new mutants have, have vanished. And something Claremont likes to do is give bit characters names, and sometimes even backstories. And, and here we have two Hellfire Gloons, and they, and they have to report what has happened to the White Queen. And their names are Gilbert and Art. And so they, they go to a monitor, and Gilbert asks Art, What am I going to do, Art? Lie? She's a mind reader. She probably knows already. Emma looks into the monitor. Quite so, Gilbert. And, you know, it's just great because, you know, we're just getting some comedy here. Some levity in this situation, this dire situation. And and I do like that Claremont, you know, has, it, it gives some some gravity. These these people are real people and, and, and they know the consequences of failure. And it kind of adds a level, not that I don't know that Emma Frost really needed the level of, of horror that her character receives here. I mean, she's a pretty bad lady. We've seen that in, in her dealings with the X-Men. We saw that in, in uh, Firestar, the miniseries about uh, Firestar, who is a mutant teenager who goes to this academy, actually. And we see how horrible Emma is. And so we kind of know how bad she can be. But it's just, it's neat to see, like, the underlings fear her as well. So uh, they report that they they can't find, the, the mutants have disappeared. They lost them. And she t informs them to just to, to back off. She'll take care of managers. And so once Emma 
finishes her conversation with with her Hellfire minions, she turns to away from the monitor and and she's in her study in her in her uh, office and in a chair bound un, un, unable to move is not even bound just unable to move is is Kitty Pride and Emma Frost has used her psychic abilities to restrain Kitty Kitty can't uh, can't move and and she's also inhibitor from being able to use her phasing ability and Emma point you know is fascinated with, with this turn of events she's so glad that her plan worked she's able she was she's able to have lured the mutants the new mutants here and she realizes that there are some new members uh, Amara and Ileana those those members are unknown to the Hellfire Club uh, if you remember this team of new mutants has been dogged essentially by uh, the Hellfire Club and they were not aware of these additions um well they maybe they did know about Amara possibly but they did not know about Ileana for sure and so this has caused some a hiccup in the plan but it's not anything that Emma is too worried about she figures they'll have no problem uh capturing this the, the new mutants and what, what we find out through these this this interaction between Kitty and Emma is that uh she's gonna she's gonna she's going to capture the new mutants and that mutants Emma sees mutants and for that matter so does the Hellfire Club as, as tools and valuable because of their abilities and any person that possess any group person country nation whatever that possesses these mutants these people with these extraordinary abilities has an upper hand and they're a key to power and that's what the Hellfire Club wants. And so mutants are a means to that end. And and so her vision, and so is the Hellfire Club for that matter, their vision mirrors that of the government's uh, project Wide Awake in that these these mutants can be considered, are, are weapons essentially in an arms race or in an, in an ability to leverage power and, and gain more power and influence. So that is the interest of the inner circle and the interest of for that matter of emma frost and so here's the plan and emma is going to capture these mutants they're not going to save kitty pride she is going to make sure of that elsewhere in the compound a storage room we find the new mutants and they're in conversation they're trying to come up with a plan they they realize that they're in trouble and it's only a matter of time before that white queen finds them locans locates them they may already she may already know where they're at but they're debating a plan of action anyways how do they combat this telepath obviously iliana's not figures she can't you know if xavier can't read her mind emma won't be able to either um, and the rest hope that their uh, their training from Xavier will help shield their thoughts from her, but they're not certain. They talk about the best plan of action they seem to have at this point is is that simply to knock out the generator, cause this place to go into blackout, and use the element of surprise to rescue Doug and and Kitty, and then and then get the heck out of Dodge, and that's that's what they're going to do. Um, all the time while this is going on, this conversation, 
uh, Rain is in her transitional form, so she can communicate. Um, so she's not fully wolf form, but she she is tr in a transitional state, um, and she's at the door, listening and smelling to see if anybody is outside, uh, possibly going to enter and discover their hiding spot. Hiding spot. She notices or she hears some peep footsteps outside. Turns out that it's Hellfire guards guards patrolling this this area, and the new mutants quickly make short work of them, not uh, capturing them and bringing them into the closet. They change. Uh, close with them um, end up uh, Danny and, and, and Ileana will be wearing their, their uniforms uh, and Danny they, they need some answers they're trying to figure out exactly what's going on where people are located you know if the White Queen knows that they're here all that sort of information but these guards are not cooperating obviously and so Danny reaches in their mind and uses, and draws out something to terrify them and they, they do begin to get some answers, but one of the guards, just in, you know, terrified and infuriated, tells, says this, says, uh, says, you kids may call yourselves heroes, but you're as cruel as the queen herself. And this is it. This is all Danny can take. She just breaks down and, and runs, to, and runs to a corner of the you know, to be alone, to hide her shame and, and horror at the fact that she has been compared to something so evil. You know, and what I like about this is we were seeing uh, in issue number two, um, Karma have some of these same problems with using her powers, feeling like, you know, it, she didn't want to use her powers, uh, that it was too closely related to what her brother was doing, you know, even if it was for a good cause. And, and Danny's starting to struggle with that too, like, she wants to be able to help people, and, and she thinks back to Peter Bristow, and that was in New Mutants number four, uh, when they when they you know intervened in the stocking that was going occurring. Uh, Peter Bristow was you know stalking essentially Stevie Hunter and threatening her, and and they intervened and prevented that. You know, and and she talks about having thinks about having used her powers back then and how that helped Peter, um, but that was a pretty traumatic event too. Uh, honestly, for, for Peter, I don't know that it was something that, you know, it, it resulted in the wrapping up and conclusion of that story, and he got help. Uh, whether that was, you know, good use of powers or not is, uh, they saved Stevie, I guess. Uh, pointless. The point is, she, she wants to be able to use her powers for good. It seems like her so often, so, so much more often than not, her powers have been used to harm um, a good example of her using her powers, though, for good were, was the rainforest. When when rain was beginning to suffer uh, heat exhaustion and heat stroke, she she got her to believe that it was cool and that the snowstorm had occurred and, and rain was cooled down as a result. Like, that's good use of her powers. So she wants to do stuff more like that instead of always ripping horrible things out of people's minds and terrifying them and just breaking them emotionally, uh, you know, through fear. And... You know, it's it takes a lot, and Ileana goes to comfort her, and and this is great. It's a great, uh, you know, it, if if any of the characters understands this, like this tendency towards evil, and and feeling as though destined to to cause suffering, Ileana is that character. Uh, they don't have time to talk about this though, and and they begin to set their plan in motion. Uh, First, uh, Danny and Ileana lead lead out of the out of the closet 
into the hallway and begin moving uh, in search of their teammate or their friends, Kitty and Doug, followed closely by Rain and Bobby. And Sam ties up the guards that, that they stole their uniforms from. And Amara's with Sam. Amara burns a hole through the floor again. And this is a trick she's used before. And Sam's a little worried uh, about this this melted rock burning him but his he hopes that his suit will insulate him from it and he gets down and he, and he goes into this hole that Amara's made it's cool to the touch you know and here we are again Sam is struggling he's like she is so amazing her ability to control her heat and temperatures and like actually like make surfaces that she's just like burrowed through or melted cool to the touch immediately is is unreal like her abilities are so far she's so amazing and and he you know he's really struggling with with where he is in terms of the rest of his team uh well amara and and sam do find the control the control room for the power the power for the the whole campus that and uh, manchester uh massachusetts academy campus and the hellfire club and and Amara makes short work of it, causing explosions and, and just knocks out power for everything. Uh, so everything goes dark. And Kitty's hopeful. She's hopeful that Sam and Amara will, will you know, and she's hopeful that her, that her friends will, will save her. Uh, but the way Queen has a plan. And we're going to see that unravel in this next few panels. So Amara and Sam continue their search uh, of the campus. And they are aided by the fact that they've caused this power outage. It has caused students to come streaming out of the dorms at that night. It's late and it's cold and the students are wondering what's going on. The power to the buildings uh, on campus and the Hellfire Club have been completely knocked out, thanks to Amara's handiwork. And this confusion provides Sam and Amara the perfect cover to enter to try to get into the dorms of Doug Ramsey. And they begin making their way that way. Um, what we see is a shot from above our two heroes. Someone called Jetstream is trying to locate them, and he has become success he is successful he uses something known as the CompuScan to positively id the two of them and it's a computer thing that he is carrying with him and he is able to get extreme close-up of the two and he does verify that in fact he has located two of the new mutants and he is tracking them for the white queen meanwhile Ileana and danny continue their search and as they move through the hallways they remember you'll remember wearing the guard uniforms that they'd taken uh, captured and, and uh, now they're disguised and they are confronted by some other hellfire guards and Danny's terrified but they're their disguises hold and they're told that you know what's going on and uh, they're ultimately left alone Danny's panicked she's terrified of of what happened 
you know, being caught at this point. And, and she's shaken from what had happened in the, in the closet. Uh, that comment from the guard really wore her, is, is weighing on her. And, and she, you know, she asked Ileana, you're a teleporter, you know. Shouldn't we just teleport? We could teleport in and get out, and it would be no problem. Why not just do that? And Ileana explains to Danny, just like her power, you know, Danny's powers have drawbacks. So so does uh, Ileana's. And she only is going to use them at this ability to teleport as a last resort. She She's terrified to, to go to limbo, you know. Her teammates just recently saw what happened to her when when the White Queen attacked her when she had been using her astral form. And they were, you know, not sure, you know, they trusted her after that. And if she were to take them to Limbo, she's not sure that she could explain that to them either. Uh, but the two of them continue on their search, but they are being stalked by someone in the darkness. Someone or something. Elsewhere, Bobby and Rain are also moving through the halls of the basement of the Hellfire Club. Bobby leads the way. Rain or Rain's leading the way. She's in her transitional form, and not not wolf, but not human. And in this form, she can speak to Bobby, but she's not. Her senses aren't as strong as they were if, would be if she were a wolf in her wolf form. And she tells him that they come to a door. And he's like, okay, well, you know, you don't know what's on the other side of it. I'll just rip it off its hinges and we'll go in guns a-blazing. It'll be fine. We'll catch everybody on the other side by surprise. And Bobby does this. He transforms to his sunspot form and rips the door from his hinges. As he's doing this, a bright flash blinds him and he's sucker punched, smashed in the face. He falls to the ground. Uh, we see this gentleman called Thunderbird. He is... John Proudstar's son, brother, uh, James Proudstar. And we don't, the new mutants don't know that, but we do, the readers do. Uh, we see another person with him, and her name is Roulette. She has the ability to create luck discs and trans change, really, at the snap of a finger, someone's luck. And she tosses... Uh, she, she's the one who had caused Bobby to be blinded, and he was quickly taken out by Thunderbird. Obviously, he's punching him in the head. Rain's quick to come to her teammate's defense. She leaps at Lumber, Lunge, uh, Thunderbird, and she's in her wolf's form. He's startled and thrown off balance, and Rain looks like she's handling the situation until there's another disc thrown, and a shelving unit falls down on top of Rain, rendering her unconscious. Bobby sees this happening, and he, and he moves to the aid of his friend. He knows that, that he's probably going to get attacked from behind, but he just he has to help Rain. It's for priority. And in doing so, he's lifting the shelf off of her. He's in his sunspot form again, and there's another disc that is thrown his direction by roulette. She throws it at him, and his back, there's a pain in his back. He drops the shelf, and the two of the uh, Rain and Bobby have been captured. Uh, roulette takes pleasure in the pain of these two and and Thunderbird isn't sure that he trusts her he doesn't like seeing how cruel she is elsewhere Danny and Ileana continue their search and Danny she cries out in the hallways having felt 
the pain that Rain was feeling. They're, they share a psychic rapport, and through that rapport, she feels Rain's pain, and Danny screams. And Ileana tries to quiet her, fearful that the guards will, that'll alert the guards to their presence. And as she's trying to comfort Danny and trying to calm her down, Ileana's grabbed. She's pulled up to the ceiling by this cat-like monster. It's Cat's Eye. She's a human girl that can transform into a cat, similar to that of a, a shapeshifter, similar to Rain. Taro launches her attack at Danny. Danny, she, Taro shows Taro is a girl, um, part of the Hellions, who can use tarot cards, and those images on the tarot cards come to life. She shows this devil tarot card, and this demon comes off the card and begins to make its way towards our, our, our hero, Danny. We cut to outside of campus. The Creighton Hall, outside of Creighton Hall, sorry. Amara and, and Sam are making their way towards Doug's room. Um, they're still being watched from above by someone. And Sam, he, he uses an, a pet name to a certain degree for Amara. A short, sh shortened verge, version of her name. He, he calls her Mara, and she does not like this. She tells him, you know, he should, he should use her full name. That that's for somebody uh, who's familiar with her, someone who's a lover, not, not a friend. And, and Sam is like, oh, man, I really stepped in it this time. You know, and all of this comes, you know, is it, happening. Like, they're just so overwhelmed. These teenagers are so enthralled with one another. Like, they're, they're caught off guard all the time because of the silly infatuations they have with one another and as they enter Creighton Hall they are confronted by another Hellion his name is Empath his his full name is Manuel Alfonso Rodrigo de la Rocha and he's a Spaniard and he uses his ability is is that to to manipulate emotions of those around him and he does that extremely successfully with Sam and Amara. He he wants them to adore him, to to be think him he's he's their friend. It'll be an easy capture, but he is interrupted. He's startled, and this this causes him to release his hold on the two of them, or weakens his hold. Uh, and the person that startles him is Douglas Ram, none other than Doug Ramsey. He he waves and calls to Cannonball and Amara, and and. Cannonball is able to break free of, of Empath's hold on him. And he, he punches Empath in the face. And, and Empath is lying on the ground. Cannonball is ready to, you know, make, you know, begin, you know, getting dug out of there. But he is interrupted by Jetstream, this, this, uh, this young man who, can, who flies, very similar to Sam. He rockets through the window and takes Sam out the other window. And they're about to collide into the tree. And Sam, you know, regains his senses and, and can, you know, uses his ability, uh, cannonballing away, and Jetstream smashes into a tree. Uh, Empath has used this time to recover, however, and he uses, he, he takes control of magma, and he begins having her shoot lava bursts towards Sam. He's invulnerable, so it does no damage to him, uh, and he dodges some shots, and he's Sam's trying to come up with a plan. You know, if he gets too close, Empath will take control of him. But he's got to help Amara. And so he's, as he's trying to figure this out, Amara, you know, one of Amara's lava blasts misses him and it hits Jetstream. And Jetstream begins to plummet towards the earth. 
Sam debates whether helping him, but ultimately, being a good hero, he does. He rockets towards the ground, he grabs Jetstream, and he is struck by a lava blast from <coughs> Amara, who's still under impasse control. Cannonball smashes into the ground, holding Jetstream, and Emmanuel, uh, Emmanuel De La Rocha is certain he has achieved victory. But it, 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 he, he is sorely mistaken because Cannonball was playing basically possum. He smashes, he rocketed through the ground and, and bursts up, punching up beneath uh, Empath's feet and he punches him, the, you know, knocks him out. And, and uh, Doug is like standing there having seen his two friends uh, they're, they're mutants and he's astonished and, and so excited he's like I can't wait to tell Kitty is what he tells them and this, this scene this agile this moment of victory is interrupted uh, our three heroes Doug and Cannonball and Amara are confronted by the White Queen, and that's who they see originally, initially, but all of them see eventually see something differently. For Cannonball, he sees the White Queen, Emma Frost, as Amara. She manipulates his thoughts using her psychic abilities. He sees in Amara that would, what she would have looked like had she grown up in America, had she been born in Kentucky, and had they fallen in love, she walks to him and suggests that they return inside and they stop this foolishness and, and they can enjoy each other's company. And Sam folds like a deck of cards. We see what Amara sees, and it's her mother, her, her long-dead mother. And Amara's trying to understand how this could be. And the White Queen, in the guise of her mother, tells her, don't you believe in miracles, child? And Amara's putty in the White Queen's hands at this moment. And for Doug, she just wipes his memories. So he will remember none of what happens tonight and has him return to his room, going back to bed. The White Queen has them captured and they return inside. Uh, so most of the mutants, the new mutants, have been dealt with or captured, and few of them, if any, remain. The only two that are, are left are Ileana and uh, Danny, and they're engaged in battle with Cat's Eye and, and uh, Tarot. Tarot's devil has lassoed, at this point, Danny with chains, and Danny is being corrupted by this in a very similar way that we had seen happen to Ileana in, in uh, Limbo when she was younger. And Ileana sees this and, and does not want this to happen to Danny. And she is quick to act. She pulls her sword, soul sword and lashes out at Cat's Eye. Now, Cat's Eye is hit by it. I don't know if it actually hurt her or if the thought of being struck by it was what terrified her. But she releases Ileana. Ileana then lunges at the tarot demon that she that tarot had created and and slices it in two. And as soon as the soul sword makes contact with this demon, it disincorporates, disappears, it vanishes. And Danny is struggling to regain, you know, 
her senses. Um, Tara launches another attack. She pulls another card, and this one is summons the Knight of Swords. And this this demon, this monster, with its two swords, is riding horseback. And the horse lunges at Ileana, and Ileana is ready to fight. And and she's unable though, and has never fought a. Uh, any being or anything that has ridden a horse and the hoof of a horse, the hoof of the horse strikes her in the head. It drops her to the ground and it looks like Danny and Ileana will share the same fate as their fellow new mutants, that they'll be captured. But, uh, and, and at this moment, at this moment of victory for the white queen, she arrives to, to gather the last of her prize and the, the two new Danny is beginning to see the White Queen other, in a different way than she really is. She's beginning to see the White Queen uh, as her grandfather. We don't see this on panel, but we get this from uh, from Danny's uh, word bubble, telling Ileana that she sees her grandfather. Why should why should they run? Her, but her grandfather's dead. You know, trying to make sense of this, and Ileana's like. Don't look, you know, don't, don't pay attention to this. Don't, you know, pay attention to that. It's not real. We got to get out of here. And, and Ileana grabs Danny and the two of them, uh, she, she creates a stepping disc and the two of them vanish from sight. Um, Ileana teleports them away and they, they're, they're all surprised by this, except for the White Queen. Uh, the White Queen's like, well, it appears the young Rasputin is a teleporter. And the others are like, you know, how are we going to ever find her? We, we'll never find where she went. And the White Queen's pretty confident. Like, it doesn't matter where she runs. We will find her. You know, using the Hellfire's, you know, powers, it'll be it'll be nothing, you know. And, and uh, she's pretty confident that there's nowhere for these two girls to hide. They will be found. Um... And so that's the conclusion of uh, issue number 16. The next issue will be the final showdown. It's titled The Getaway. So that wraps this issue. Um, we're going to continue with the Hellions and Emma Frost the next issue, obviously, as we conclude the story arc. You know, there, there are a few things, you know, there's the, for a number of the Hellions, this is their first appearance in the next book, uh, first appearance at all. Uh, for the others, there's a number of them that first appeared in New Warriors comic books. So, uh, but this is the first time they've been assembled um, in a team against the New Mutants. So uh, their first appearance, certainly in the series, and like, I, I appreciate that. I think it's great. Um, I, I really like what Claremont's doing here with, with Daniel Moonstar, honestly. I, I really appreciate the fact that she's questioning the use of her powers. Like I said in the episode, you know, we, we saw that with Karma, and now we're seeing it with, with Daniel Moonstar. And I like that, you know, like, this dynamic that these powers are not necessarily gifts, but burdens that these students, these kids, have to learn to deal with, Right? so that they can at least function on any level in society, right? It's, we're long removed from the idea of the, 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 the mutant saviors and those fighting just to survive and live along in peace with, with humans. No, these, these students, most of them, Ileana, 
Daniel Moonstar, Rain Sinclair, even Roberto, and to a certain degree, Cannonball and, and Magma. Like, they have been cast out of their homes because of their powers. Some to a certainly a greater degree when you look at uh, how we saw Rain being hunted and nearly killed in the very first appearance uh, in that graphic novel. Ileana is hiding from her life keeping it secret from those who are closest to her because she is a demon sorcerer because of what happened to her limbo. Uh, we're seeing Daniel Moonstar, who she was a hermit, removed herself completely from society because of what her powers did to those closest to her, right? These, all of them, all, for the most part, Magma was had to leave her home even though she didn't want to because her powers could destroy so much. And she, she had to learn how to deal with them just to be a part of her society, right? That is the case for so many of these characters. So there is no, I mean, eventually down the road, maybe there's the idea of a mutant savior. But when we put this alongside what was happening in the X books, like the X-Men are on a trajectory of getting darker darker and darker we're going to run across the mutant massacre we're going to run across the x-men in australia and the death of the x-men i mean it's going to become a very dark title and that title is going to see a lot of x-men killing people right the idea of humans living alongside mutants and humanity and uh, peace is a, a, an idea that gets further stretched and further stretched by claremont and we see that the x-men aren't able to do that and in their stead, what is left behind when the X-Men leave the Institute and disappear and, and for all intents and purposes to everyone believes die. What we see from the New Mutants is a group of teenagers who are just trying to find a place, right? They do some superheroing at times, but like their powers make it impossible to have normal relationships. And here they are, a group of teenagers just trying to figure out how to be kids when they're trying to learn how to control their powers and getting put in situations that nobody should ever have to be in. It's kind of an interesting juxtaposition, and it's not the same story arc that we, same storyline, same premises, same like underlying themes that we saw in the rebirth of the X-Men in, in Next Gen, <clears throat> in the second generation stuff. Um, so it, it is fairly an interesting uh, venture and an interesting uh, series to, to delve into. And what I like, especially from the Hellfire Club and, and the Hellions, is that we're seeing a group of teenagers that have the same problems. But it, what it gives us is a foil for the New Mutants to work against. It's like a competitive school, right? And you have, like, I like the title of this one, Away Game, where, you know, the idea that we're harking back to like college or our high school and, and students going to play a, a football game at a rival school. And, and we're going to get some rivalries and some interesting friendships that develop between these characters. And we're going to see some of these Hellions go on to uh, join other X teams later on down the line. And, and that's, you know, fantastic. And some of the friendships and relationships that develop are amazing. And some of them are questionable until other authors come in and tweak them a little bit. But all intents and purposes, this is a fantastic addition to New Mutants. And what we're really beginning to see is this, this team of heroes, this team of students, 
finding their footing. And I mean, the stories are getting to be top notch. And we are on the cusp of Demon Bear Saga. Not that much farther to that. And I mean, we are we are finding our footing. We have found it securely. The story is sound and perfect. And it's going to be a blast moving forward. I cannot wait to get into that stuff. And I, I you know, I, I like this issue. It's, it's really well done. Um, so, yeah, uh, we, we will dive into issue number 17 next week uh, and conclude um, the New Mutants rescue mission of Kitty Pride. So uh, tune in next week to find out the conclusion to the New Mutants Massachusetts adventure. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Iowa City, Iowa, and produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at ExploreNewMutant or via email at ExploreTheNewMutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episodes are available on Facebook uh, by searching James Explores the New Mutants. Another way to reach the podcast, if you're interested, is through the Anchor app. There's a voicemail feature that allows you, the listeners, to record minute-long messages that are sent directly to me. I can then place those messages into, directly into my episode. It's a great way for you, the listeners, to become involved and engage with me via the podcast. Uh, I appreciate questions, comments. Please, if you have any send them my way, and I'd gladly answer them on the air or you know, electronically or just engage in some conversation. Um, either or, it, you know, it's just some engagement is wonderful. Um, I appreciate all you listeners. Um, I, I'm grateful that you listen. Uh, I really adore doing this. It's been a lot of fun, and I look forward to continuing to move forward. Uh, yeah, so until next week, keep reading those comics.